that we closed the door so we keep yeah. you guys in here with the air conditioning? Yeah? That was my idea. You guys didn't know that was my brilliant idea? Because uh, I have the brilliant ideas. Uh, if you guys see stuff that you didn't like, then it wasn't my idea. Okay? So, cool. Let's go. So, here we go. I'm going to start with this. God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the, to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Again, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the despised things of the world so that no one can boast in his presence. Nobody's going to be able to show up in the presence of God and say, me, 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 me. No. No, no one. So today we're going to look at a story about when Jesus reached out to a person that was despised and hated, a person who was considered a traitor. Jesus extends grace to a person that was considered a corrupt, hated government official, a tax collector, kind of like a Raider fan. Are you guys ready for some football? <laughs> I'm ready for some football, you know what I'm saying? Boom, 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 boom. And you guys didn't know Raiders are playing, Chargers are playing the Raiders, and you know who I'm going for. Bang. Anyway, <laughs> let's go back to the story. Yeah, in case you guys got distracted, sorry. Let's go back to the seriousness of the talk. Here we go. The Romans used this guy, Right? And he, his countrymen hated him. This is a good recipe for insecurity, right? When people are hating on you, picking on you, bullying you, eventually you will become insecure. So it's a good recipe for insecurity. And one of our deepest needs in life is to feel valued, like we matter. We're searching for that. As we go about our life. But the problem is the four common ways we measure value. That's a problem, right? And here they are. The first one is, is appearance. If we look good, then I must be good. The second one is wealth, how much I have in the bank. The third one is achievement, what I've accomplished. Paul considered his achievement before Christ as garbage, basura. He wanted his identity to come from having Jesus in his heart and not achievements. The fourth one is approval. If I'm popular, then I must be worth a lot. If not, then I'm worthless. 
Those are four common ways we measure as humans worth. If you don't have any of that, then you're worthless. Hmm. On Monday, um, in case uh, some of the men, if you're looking for a Bible study, men hang out here, men with men, it's cool, it's awesome, so I want to invite you to come and hang out. So on Monday, it was hot, right? It was really hot. I, I showed up with shorts, and I only wear shorts when I'm on vacation. So I showed up with short, shorts because it was hot. And one of the guys that should, you know, comes here, he goes, Pastor, when you're wearing pants and jeans and, and you're wearing your boots, you look like a warrior. But with those shorts... <laughs> You look like an apprentice, like a junior warrior. I was like, what? (laughs) That is a false measurement, bro. I'm not going to name any names. I know he's here, but anyways. (laughs) I'm going to believe what what God says about me, what Jesus says about me. And he says that I'm a warrior. Amen? Amen. 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 So here's the point of what I've been talking about so far. Your value is not dependent upon the approval of other people. Again, your value is not dependent upon the approval of other people. Your value is not depending on the approval of your ex. We got to learn to trust and receive our value from what what Jesus says about us. That we're God's children. That we're blessed. That we're chosen. That we're loved. That we have power in Christ to overcome and march in victory. Bam, bam, bam. We have all that in him. To be able to have an abundant life. To have an abundant marriage. We have everything we need in him. Psychological studies tells us our worth, our self-worth is tied to the most important person in our life. What they think, what, what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Hmm. So what I want to encourage you to do is to make Jesus the most important person in your life. Amen. Amen? Because he says that you're blessed. He says that you're chosen, that you are loved. Pay no attention to to the clowns out there. Payasos. Or payasas. Huh. Hello. There's a problem with these four things. Appearance, wealth, achievement, and approval. They're unstable. If you think about it. Are you, are you getting your self-worth from those four things? Appearance, your wealth, achievement, approval? Hmm, think about it. Think about it. They're unstable. Beauty fades. If you don't think so, we'll see you in 10 years. Possessions wear out. Remember that iPhone 1? Where is it? Where is it? 
Successes are surpassed. Somebody's going to outdo you. And guess what? People are going to reject you. Unstable. Unstable. The only solid foundation for self-esteem is understanding how much you matter to God. That we are going, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. How much you matter to God. And if we can receive this today, it will change your life. When you see yourself and God sees you, it, tra- it will transform you. It will make you successful. It will catapult you to your purpose. You're stuck because you're believing what somebody else is thinking about you. It will catapult you to an abundant life. It will, it will empower you to make you unstoppable. Your life will change. A great example of this is in the Bible is a, name, a guy named Zacchaeus. His story is in Luke 19. That's what we're going to be reading about in a few seconds. So there were some large crowds following Jesus wherever he went. He was like a rock star. There was paparazzi going all over and chasing him all over. The crowds were chasing him. Where's Jesus? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Zacchaeus is the most hated man in this city. So all these crowds are like following Jesus. Like, where is he? Where is this guy? Where is he going? Right? So here's Zacchaeus, right? The most hated guy in the city. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Should be on the screen. It's on your outline. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He was wealthy because he was taxing. He he was taxing people unfairly. If you said you owed $10, he would give you $20. And he would be like, boom. Remind you of anything? Anywhere. Anyways, verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short... He could not see over the crowd. So all these crowds, there's a big crowd chasing him, walking with Jesus, trying to follow him. Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since he was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. So can you guys picture that? A big crowd. All this stuff is happening. Jesus says, I'm going to stay at your house. And the people started criticizing. All the religious people. He's hanging out with people that drink beer. He's hanging out with people that go to the movies. He's going to the people that... That's what they say about me anyways. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord. He's like, hey, let me break it down. Lord, hey. He's like in front of every, Lord, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He has a change of a heart. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So the Greek word for the word short. Describes a body of an underdeveloped child. 
You can say un enanito. Right? He was abnormally short. It also probably affected his personality. And we can imagine how Zacchaeus was mocked and hated by others. He probably returned the favor by increasing the tax even more. Oh, I remember you. You used to make fun of me. Ha, ha, ha. Pay up, buddy. Right? Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector in that day. What that was back in those days is more like a mafia extortionist. Pay whatever I say, and then some, or you're going to jail. For a Jew, which Zacchaeus is, to become a Roman tax collector is like treason. So imagine a Charger fan becoming a Raider fan. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That would be craziness. Unimaginable. So Jesus chose to dine with the most hated, most disrespected person in the entire city. Jesus comes to the tree. He looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Huh. Here's your first villain, or your next villain. This story teaches us three truths about how much you matter to God. And here's the first one. Jesus sees me. No matter how insignificant I feel, Jesus sees me. No matter what other things about me, Jesus sees me. No matter what I think of myself, the negative thoughts, the painful thoughts, Jesus sees me. Even if my future spouse doesn't see me right now, Jesus sees me. Zacchaeus runs ahead and climbs a tree. He he climbed the tree like a little boy. And without knowing, fulfilled Jesus' words when he said, unless you become like a child, we will not see the kingdom of God. So two things that no Middle Eastern man, wealthy man, would ever do is run and climb a tree. at a point of his life where he, he, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. I don't care. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to the hand. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't care what anybody. He probably is in a place of life where, in life where he knows that money and approval and women and sex and success will not bring contentment. He's probably had it all and it wasn't enough. Zacchaeus is not embarrassed of Jesus. He's just hoping for a glimpse He climbs up a tree. Hopefully he can see Jesus. The savior of the world. When we humbly look for Jesus, he always sees me. Luke 19, 5 is on the screen. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. He knew exactly where Zacchaeus was. Huh. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're going through right now. I know that everyone is going through something. 
You know why? Because we are humans and we're big sinners. You might feel like you're, you're up a tree financially. You might feel like your, your marriage is, a, is falling apart. You might feel like you're in a hole uh, spiritually. You might believe that your life has no purpose and nobody even knows you're there. God knows where you're at and he sees you. Whew. He's paying attention to you. God knows where you are in this moment. He's seen everything that has happened to you. He saw every unkind act that has ever been done to you. And he grieved when it happened. No hurt has ever been hidden from him. And no matter what you're going through today, God has not forgotten you. He sees you because you matter to God. Luke 12, 6 and 7, it says this, God never overlooks a single sparrow. He pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. Hmm. Wow. You guys know what the greatest expression of love is? Attention. It's a fundamental human need. Mommy, daddy, look what I could do. Watch me. We notice it with children, but we continue as adults. God is paying attention to you. Why? Because you matter to God. The second thing is, Jesus pursues me. This is what we talked about last week in the story of Jonah. The whole story of Jonah is about God, a God that pursues. He pursues everyone in his, with love and, and mercy and grace again and again and again and again and again. God pursued Jonah. God pursued me. God pursues you. You are here today because God pursued you. He was knocking at your door. And some of you opened the door and allowed him in. He was pursuing you. He who being in the, the, the very nature of God, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He humbly, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross because he was pursuing you. I always tell the females that are around me, when I'm thinking about boyfriend or husband, he needs to pursue you. He needs to pursue you. He needs
needs to pursue you. Even in marriage, he needs to pursue you. If you're dating somebody that is not pursuing you, you better walk away. Because he's not thinking that you're the one. Hmm. Jesus just just noticed you out of six billion people. He called Zacchaeus by name. He calls you by name. Jessica, come down immediately. Victor, come down immediately. Angel, come down immediately. He's calling us by name. Luke 19.5 says, look, he looked, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Imagine the shock, right? You're up in the tree, Zacchaeus, look what, you know my name? Wow. Right? The savior of the world, all the paparazzi chasing him, because he's healing people left and right. And he calls you by name. Des, come down. I must stay at your house. Wow. And how did Jesus know his name? Because he created him. He formed him in his mother's womb. And he formed you in your mother's womb. And he knows you. He knows me. He made you. He created you. And the the second shock is the meaning of the name Zacchaeus. Here it is. Pure one. Innocent one. Isn't that what it means? You know Hebrew name? Huh. Pure one. Innocent one. That was the last thing Zacchaeus was. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and, and he, he doesn't point out the flaws. He doesn't say you're a loser, you're a cheater, you're a thief, you're, you're a traitor, you're a raider, fan. He doesn't say that. He says, the pure one. Hey, pure one. Come down. He's like, I'm not looking at your sin. I'm looking at what I made you to be, a pure one, an innocent one. Woo! Amen. Come on, guys. That's a big deal. You know know why it's a big deal? Because most of you, 100% of you are scarred, wounded, and you believe what? Something that's happened to you. You're believing it right now. You're believing the 
the pain that someone caused. You, you're believing the words that someone caused. You, 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 you're believing that you are what you did. And when it comes to important decisions like marriage and relationships and all that stuff, you have all that stuff. You don't think you're, you're, you're worthy enough, so you accept things that you normally wouldn't accept. So to hear that innocent one, pure one, woo! I don't know if you guys feel I feel that. And I know it's hard to believe. But Jesus is saying that to you, pure one. It's hard to believe. Because of what we did last night, because we did a month ago, because of what we did or what we're going through right now. Hard to believe, but you are pure. He made you to love you. You're here. He made you because he loves you. He's giving you an opportunity to start a relationship with him. And as you start that relationship where you accept him, forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. You start, you're born again. And he wants a relationship with you so you can have and experience a little bit of heaven here on earth. He made you to love you. There's never been a moment of your life that he didn't love you. Never a moment that he didn't see you or notice you. He cares about you, Angel. Jesus has never given up on you. Jesus is inviting you to come down. Baja. Come down. Come down from that tree. Come down from your pain. Come down from your fear. Come down from your self-doubt. Come down from thinking that you're worthless. You might think it. You might not think it that you're worthless. But you acted because of the way you live. Nobody's going to say I'm worthless, but with your actions, your decisions, huh? It's so easy nowadays to hook up. All you need to do, hey, what's your sign, baby? That's it. You want to go home? Yeah. And then the next morning, you're right there, and the the guy wants to leave you. I can't believe you want to leave. Well, uh, it was so easy. I didn't have to work. You know what I'm saying? Bye. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe he didn't call me. <laughs> but pastor, I'm just not good enough. You might not say it, but your actions speak. Well, let me tell you this. You will never be good enough on your own strength. Jesus in you makes you good enough. The Bible says that we all sin and falling short. I fall short as a, as a parent. I fall short as a, husband, as a husband. I fall short as a pastor. Fall short as a person. 
But Jesus is more interested in, in, in changing you than condemning you. Look at what it says in John 13, 17, 3, 17. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Saving a life is not a, a, a passive pursuit. Lifeguards, when they're in the tower, and, and, and they, they get off the tower, and they go in, they get into the water. They don't use a blowhorn saying, ah, you're, somebody's drowning. Well, you should, I should have listened to me. I told you. Now save yourself. Ha <laughs> yeah, I told you. No, they don't do that. They get in the water. They do something about it. And that's what Jesus did. He became like us to save us. He did something about it. Spending time condemning society won't change society. And and looking for a political answer to solve a problem won't change it either. Why? Because you can't change people's hearts with laws. And if you're thinking you're fulfilling some of the laws and all that stuff, it's going to make you legalistic, judgmental. Look at those people. No law is going to turn people who are selfish to be unselfish. Huh. Here's the third one. Jesus changes me. He sees us through the lens of the cross of forgiveness. He says, you're pure. Here's another one. You're innocent. You're innocent now. Not guilty and forgiven. Not guilty and forgiven. That re- that's really how he sees you. That's how powerful the blood of Christ is. And, and that changes. Uh, change begins when I open my heart to trust that that is true. I know that sometimes we don't feel that it's true. You don't feel that, that, that God sees you in that way. And just because you feel that doesn't mean that it's not true. Let me ask you this. This is key. This is so key because we're going to... The things in this world are not going to change. You're going to continue to get worse because Why? Because us people live in this world. Let me ask you this. Do you know who you are in Christ? Your life is not defined by an event in your past anymore. Your life is not defined by an event in your past anymore. Your life is not defined by an event in your past anymore. It's defined by an event that happened on the hill called Calvary. 
When Jesus shed his blood for us, when the precious lamb of God looked at us and through time said, I will die for them. I will die for you. Man. Woo. And then it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All the old, all the past is gone. And all things have become new. You are not what other people say you are. You are not what other people say you are. You are who Jesus says you are. He says that you're pure, that you're innocent, not guilty and forgiven. You are not trash. You are a masterpiece. You are not a sinner. You are a masterpiece. You are not worthless. You are a masterpiece. And we got to fight to continue to believe that. Because it will affect your decisions. Imagine going to the Tianguis, right? And you found a a Rembrandt. Expensive painting, right? Covered in mud. Most people will walk through it and say, ah, basura, that's trash. Yeah. 10 pesos. But an expert will spot it, buy it, and restore it. And that's what Jesus did with us. Jesus sees beneath the mud, the junk, the baggage that was collected as we walk through life. Some of you see yourself as a mess and maybe your, your, your earthly experience, maybe you experience that in your earthly experience, right? But Jesus sees you as a masterpiece. Not tomorrow, right now. gotta believe that because as soon as you believe that your your life will start to look like a masterpiece your life will start to look like a masterpiece imagine if i believed that i was an addict porn addict uh, all the things that i did in my life deportee ex-con i wouldn't be here i wouldn't be married You know who's sitting next to you? There's alcoholics, there's drug addicts, there's gay people, there's rich people, there's poor people, there's straight people, there's sexually immoral people, divorced people, porn users, depressed people, liars, and that's just the staff. (laughs) Ben, can you come up? Luke 19, 7 says, all the people saw this 
and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of sinners. In that culture, it was a big deal for Jesus to say, I'm going to stay at your house. And what that meant is, I accept you. I receive you. You're in. And that's what he's saying to you right now. I accept you. I, I, I forgive you. you I, I receive you. You are in. You are in. You are in. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Come down immediately. And he came down immediately. He ran. He couldn't do it fast enough. He opened his heart and, and his life immediately. And he know, he's no longer listening to the murmuring crowds. Where he's like, oh, I can't believe you're going. He's a Christian now? Wow. Oh, what? He wasn't listening to all that. So Zacchaeus, after he's shown grace and love, says to the Lord, Lord, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone, I'll give four times back. You know what that's called? Repentance. He turned from what he was hated for. Luke 19.9 says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. So how should we respond to Jesus' pursuit of you? Calm down immediately. Calm down immediately. Calm down immediately. Maybe you did, and nothing has happened. My encouragement for you today is to choose to trust and believe that God is working and God is with you. Hold on to his promises and don't give up. The valley that you're going through has to happen because he might be working on you. in your life that might not make any sense right now. Why am I going through this, Lord? Why, 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 why? <sighs> might not make sense now, right? It will make sense one day. I guarantee it. You need to know that God is actively working even when it seems like God is silent. Silent. He's actually working in the silence. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about lately. As I see all the things that happen in the church. I, there's a lot of things that happen in the church. People have come here for years. And I still haven't seen some of those changes, right? 
See, a lot of stuck people. And I know what gets us stuck is what we feel about ourselves or what somebody did to us or what somebody said to me or how my parents treated me when I was a little kid. We carry this. One of the things that I said a couple of days ago, there's some marriages where the, the, the spouses don't even know each other. Because they're afraid. What is she going to think of me? What is he going to think of me? What is important is what Jesus says about us. And that's what I want you to take today. That he sees you. He pursues you. He loves you. He cares about you. He changes you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your pursuit of us. I pray for everyone here today that you open their hearts and their minds to put the things in the past in the past, understanding that there is healing through the blood of Jesus so they can live this new life that you are asking us or promising us to live. In Jesus' name. Amen.